I'm picturing you in the bathtub with all your little container ships. Welcome to Cardboard and Wine, episode 30. I'm Mamie. And I'm Josh. Grab a glass, pull up a chair, and let's talk about some games. Today on the show, we circle our wagons around the city of Sprawlopolis and discuss two games that together can fit in our pocket. Greetings, Mamie. Welcome back to the show and back to school. Yeah, it's surprising how quickly that summer went past. We are already all officially back in school. Yeah, kids had first day of school this week. Yeah, my first day was actually the previous week. So I've been back a whole week now. Tis the time of year. I'm ready for the accompanying fall weather, though. Yeah, the fall weather would be nice. Although I will say I really enjoy back-to-school shopping. Yeah, you and our daughter both. (laughs) We've had a lot of fun. I enjoy back-to-school game shopping. Oh, yes. That's a thing, right? It is. And we'll discuss a few of those on the show today. (laughs) But before we do, tell me a little bit about this wine that I have in front of me. Okay, so we're going to try something new tonight. I want you to try the wine before I tell you anything about it, and I want to know your first impression. Okay. Well, it looks red. Yes. You like red, right? I I typically do. Let me try this. Hmm. (laughs) Grapey? I'll tell you what this tastes a little bit like. This was my first impression. Do you want to hear it? Yeah. You know that that grape bubble yum bubble gum flavor? Yes. That's what I'm picking up in this wine. Okay, so I have to be honest. This Which is not always a good thing. No, no, it's not a great thing. This wine was kind of an accidental purchase. Okay, go <laughs> so on. So tonight's wine is the Lefty Red Wine Blend. and red, A blend of red wine and bubble yum, bubble gum. Exactly. No, I mean, red wine blends can kind of be hit or miss. And I was checking out a new grocery store, actually, Sprouts, the other day. And this one was on like one of the ends on special. And I read it, and and here's what it says Welcome to Lefty, a unique perspective on American winemaking and ingenuity. We invite you to explore our wines, which have been treated to a secondary fermentation to produce complexities and aromatics beyond your wildest imagination. The resulting taste is refined with wit and whimsy. Okay, uh, maybe that's. I don't know if that's the wit or the whimsy <laughs> that, that you're taking. It tastes like great bubblegum. <laughs> uh, what's this secondary fermentation? Um, that's piqued my interest. Right. Well, so I imagined that this was a secondary fermentation with grapes. Well, and sometimes, you know, secondary fermentation that could be if there's any residual sugars right. to take care of that. That's not the case here. So it makes it, you know, more dry. Because this wine is not dry. No, either. it's not. No. no. So I was imagining dry, complex, aromatic, not grape bubblegum. But it turns out, I had to look this up after taking a drink of it, that secondary fermentation is with raspberry juice. Raspberry juice. Yep. Okay. Uh, I, first of all, I would believe you. Uh, that that makes a lot of sense after it's, tasting this yeah. wine. That's why it's so fruity and sweet. You know, I actually think I am more okay with this wine after you told me that. Because uh, at least it makes sense with what I'm tasting here. Yeah. Yeah. It kind of, it, it's more like, almost like a fruit wine. Yeah. Although it's not 
overly sweet like a dessert wine. It's, no. It's not that sweet, but it is. it certainly caught me off guard thinking it was just a traditional red wine. Yeah. Do you think it has wit and whimsy? Uh, you think wit. I think that word is wit. Wit. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Wit. No, wit. No, you said wit. Wit. <laughs> <laughs> Sound like Stewie from... <laughs> wit. Wit. Not wheat. <laughs> no, it does not have wheat. Uh, I, I will say maybe a dash of whimsy. Yeah. Whim- whimsy. Whimsy. <laughs> whimsy does have the H, actually. It does. That's true. I'm going to keep drinking it throughout the show, and we'll see. I'm not sure. I, I think it's kind of like white grape juice for me. I don't like white grape juice because I expect it to taste like apple juice. Because mm, it, it looks like apple juice. It looks like apple juice, and yeah. it doesn't. And I expect this to taste like red wine, and it doesn't and it's kind of off-putting to me i don't know if i'll finish it but that's why you didn't like green ketchup either oh yeah no that's a terrible idea yeah well anyway uh (laughs) thanks for picking it up anyway we will continue to sample it throughout the show and uh, see if it grows on us a little bit but first of all before we move into our games i want to say thank you to the support of our patreon patrons if you'd like to support the show you can go to our website cardboardandwine.com and click on the Become a Patron button, or you can go to patreon.com slash cardboard and wine. Yes, and if you click the button, we'll send you a beautiful cardboard and wine button. We sure will. All right, Mamie, well, let's talk about some gaming. What kind of memorable gaming moments do you have since in the last week or so? Well, you know, we've been, we've been gaming a decent amount over the last couple of weeks. And I have to say, aside from the games that we're going to talk about in this episode... The thing that stands out to me probably the most is Shipwreck Arcana. Yeah, that's been a fun surprise. That's one that we we picked up. We we ordered it from uh, a small new publisher called Maramorph Games. And we're first interested in this game because I had heard that it was a fun, quick card game that people enjoy playing. And that's something we always are on the lookout for. And, and the other thing that in, intrigued me about this game was it was a cooperative deduction card game. And it's based on the tarot cards, um, which is where the arcana part comes from. And you're trying to, together, determine each other's fate. And if you determine your fate before the doom tracker does, then you all survive. It's fun. Yeah, and I really like deduction and and deduction-type games that I had never really seen one that was in card game form, and also the cooperative nature was was kind of in, intriguing to me. And and it's fun. You know, a lot of it is you're, you're drawing numbers out of a bag, and depending on where you play one of your two numbers, your other players work together to try to deduce information about the the other number you're holding. It's it's fairly simple, fairly straightforward, but um, the components are really cool. Like you mentioned, those tarot-sized cards, the artwork is evocative, and the, the pieces are nice wood, high quality, and, and we've enjoyed playing it with yeah. each other and with friends. Yeah, it's a fun little game. The other thing that we've played a little bit, you more than me, but I joined a game the other day, is we've been teaching the kids fabled fruit. Yeah, this is a Friedman Freeze game. Maybe are you familiar with Friedman Freeze? No, I'm not. Um, he is probably best known for the game Power Grid. Oh, yeah. I know that one. Which is very different than Fabled Fruit. Yes, it is. <laughs> uh, he's also known to produce games that start with the letter F. Oh, interesting. And Do you think F is his favorite letter for some reason? Well, his name is Friedman Freeze. And Fabled Fruit. Yep. And actually, Power Grid in German starts with an F. But I don't know what that word is. (laughs) So Fabled Fruit is one that we picked up probably a year and a half ago 
but it's really a worker placement game where you are placing out different cards that have really cute animal illustrations on them. And depending on where you put your little animal meeple, uh, you carry out that action. And really all you're trying to do is... Make juice. Collect these fruit cards to make different combinations of of juices. And whoever makes the most juices first wins. And that's cool enough. I mean, it's fairly simple, straightforward gameplay. But what's really unique about Fabled Fruit is... Um, one thing about Friedman Fries, he is a very creative uh, game designer who likes to try to really break new ground and, and try new things in games. And so he has created something called the Fable System in the game. And what this means is Fabled Fruits is sort of a legacy style game that you can play over and over again. So there are these three huge decks of cards, and these are awesome oversized cards. But as you play through the game... The cards represent the different actions you can take, but they cycle through, so you get new actions the more you play. And what's really neat is if you're playing with a similar game group like our family, you completely put away the cards that you've already converted to juice, that you've already played with, and then you start over from wherever in the deck you left off. And so every game is a little bit unique because you're constantly unveiling new actions that are available to the players that you didn't have before. And they get a little more interesting as you go, and I think we've gotten through maybe the first 12 or 13, and there's, I think, at least 30 or 40 more. So uh, kind of a neat system, but when you're done, you can just put them all back together and start again. Yeah, I think it's definitely fun and something I'm looking forward to playing more and something the kids picked up really quick. Yeah, really loving play that we're able to play games that are actually fun <laughs> uh, with them, and, and they're competitive. They do a good job. We, we didn't invite them to join us for Container yet, though. Yeah, aside from all these lighter weight card games, we <laughs> did have our game group together the other night and we played a game of Container, which is uh, one of my favorite economic games that I think is a prime example of a game that is fairly straightforward rules, um, but really interesting and complex gameplay uh, that really relies a lot on interaction with other players, wouldn't you say? Oh, definitely. And I really enjoy it because it is an economic game, but there's not a lot of heavy math involved in it. No spreadsheet needed for a game of container. That's true. The The money denominations in container are $1, $2, exactly. $5. <laughs> I think the, the largest denomination is a 20 Yeah, and there is a little bit of bidding and auction, which I always love in a game. Yeah, and really it's one of those games where it's almost like a sandbox. You know, the game itself does not put you on a track where this is how the game always goes. The players start out and it's a very open economy and whatever happens in the game is really dependent on what players do and how they interact with each other. And we have the jumbo edition. So we have the giant bath toy ships. Yes. Well, I don't think they would float. Actually, we tried that. They do not float. You tried that. Yeah, I thought you were around when I tried no. that. No, they don't float. But the, I'm picturing you in the bathtub with all your little container ships. Yeah, the containers don't float either. I wish they did. They're pretty heavy. They're solid. I mean, you could clock somebody with one of those ships. Yeah, and half the fun, since you're constantly uh, trying to buy and sell these containers that are all different colors, is coming up with what type of good goods are in the containers. Instead of, uh, give me those purple containers. You could say, those are wine Give me some wine. I think the purple pretty much was consistently wine. Not surprising with us. The really. cream-colored ones, though, were wool, iPods, rice. They were like <laughs> 10 Sand. different things. Sand. <laughs> yeah, we, we had a hard time <laughs> settling on something consistent. But really good time playing container. That's one that, that I always enjoy. 
All right, Josh, we should probably get to our games of the week. All right, let's do it. This week on the show, we're going to discuss two games, Circle the Wagons and Sprawlopolis. And these are both micro games designed by Stephen Armini, Danny Devine, and Paul Kluka, and published by Buttonshy Games. Each game consists of only 18 cards, which players will play face-up to build their wild western town or their sprawling urban metropolis. Though the number of available cards is extremely limited, gameplay is expanded by each card having a unique scoring objective on the back. In both games, players randomly select three cards to play face-down, thus exposing the unique scoring objectives for that particular game. In Circle the Wagons, two players square off against each other to build the high-scoring town, whereas in Sprawlopolis, players work together to build a city worthy of enough points to achieve victory. As might be expected from a game that fits in your pocket, each round wraps up in less than 15 minutes. Certainly, you could take these games with you anywhere, but we'll discuss now whether we would want to. All right, Mamie, well, what originally drew us to these two games, Sprawlopolis and Circle the Wagons? Well, I actually was not familiar with button shy games or these micro games um, until you started talking about backing Tussie Mussy on Kickstarter. And, and that's the new upcoming card game by Elizabeth Hargrave, who was the designer of Wingspan, which you know I love. And I believe when you started researching that, you found out about these other games. Yeah, that's absolutely true. I knew she had this game coming out. It was on Kickstarter, and that was all I knew. And I was also drawn to Tussie Mussy because when I looked it up, it was only ten dollars. Oh, that's a good price. Yep, and and so that was, it was then that I discovered Buttonshaw. And so Buttonshaw is a very small game company that produces only games with eighteen or fewer cards, and they come in these small bifold wallets. Uh, and one thing that's interesting, they release one new game every month. Oh, wow! So in a year. 12 new games, um, all that come in these little wallets. And for the most part, they all seem to be $12. Uh, it seems they also have a board game of the month subscription club uh, that you could also oh, join no. if you want to get all those. And I haven't joined it. I was going to say, yeah. have we signed up? No, we have not. So I was intrigued by some of these games and thought, hey, you know, 10 to 12 bucks, highly portable. Some of these play really well with two players. Why not give it a shot? Yeah, I mean, that sounds perfect for us. So, yeah, we'll be talking about two button-shy games that actually have the same set of, the same trio of designers, uh, which I think it's evident that there are certainly similarities between these two games. Yeah, there are definitely a lot of similarities. So, before we get into to the gameplay, though, what do you think about the components of these games, Mamie? Well, I mean, the components are pretty easy. It's 18 cards. I mean, as you would hope with a game that's just 18 cards, the cards are really good quality and there's a nice little folded rule sheet that fits right into that bifold wallet that holds all the cards. What do you think about those wallets? Uh, I think they're good. You know, I was at first unsure. I was like, there's no small cardboard box or, you know, I, I think as we've acquired more and more games on our shelves and our shelves are full, full to the over, brim. Over, overflowing. <laughs> you know, I think... A growing frustration I have are games that have way more box than they have game inside that is them. Definitely not the case with these games. It's not. It's really just this little wallet, and both of them together, uh, you can't even see them on the shelf. You really can no. set them anywhere. I mean, you can put them in your little shirt pocket yeah. together. Yeah, and so I look at some and of these not other, even know they're there. That's right. 
you know, and I look at some of these other card games that are in this big box, you know, and it's kind of ridiculous, really. Um, so kudos to Buttonshy with what they're trying to do. And I think that's going to lead to us playing these games a lot more because I don't really carry a purse or a bag. But if I did, I would probably always have one or two of these games <laughs> with me, wouldn't you say? Yeah, I mean, they're so easy and to, you know, just drop in a pocket or in a bag. I do carry bags sometimes um, and have with you where it wherever you are and whenever you might want to play a game. Yeah, I think we'll take these on every vacation for the foreseeable future. And also often just out to the bar or the restaurant. Yeah, you know, that's right, because there have been times we've considered, you know, we've gone out with some friends, we knew they might want to play some games, or just the two of us went out and we thought, eh, you know, if the mood's right, maybe we want to play a game. But you really have to commit to that with most games, because... You know, you're they're in boxes, and so you have to think like, eh, I'm going to carry this extra bag. This has some games, and that kind of sucks. If we're walking around town, do I really want to have to lug this around? But this, you can just have it with you. Exactly. Yeah. So, so that's a great that's a great thing. Uh, but let's talk a little bit about the the gameplay. And I think you know we've talked in generalities about some of the similarities among these two games, and there are many. But I think as we get into the gameplay, they're not identical games. So I think we'll talk about each one of them separately. And and we'll start with Circle the Wagons. So in Circle the Wagons, the first thing you do is you pull out three cards randomly. And and on the back of all these cards are these variable scoring conditions. And so the three cards that you pull out at the beginning of the game will indicate to you what are the scoring conditions of that particular game. We'll discuss some of these in more detail in a moment for some examples. Um, But then the other 15 cards, you make a big circle in the table with these cards. So they're all visible uh, to to both players. And I can't remember if I mentioned it, but this is a two-player only game. And on each of these cards, uh, the card's divided into quadrants, and there's four images and background colors. And the background colors represent different types of terrain. So you might have a card... Uh, with a wheat field and a wagon, uh, grassland and a gun, mountains and a mine, water and a pickaxe. So you got these four quadrants. There's a terrain type color, and then there's some very clear image that has something to do with the Wild West. And then on your turn, you select a card that you want to play. You play it in front of you, adding it to any cards that are already in your town. And you can play it anywhere, bordering cards that are already there. Or you can even cover up all or part of the cards that you've previously played. And and all these decisions about where to place the card are dependent upon whatever scoring conditions are available for the particular game. So I think for this to make sense, we should probably give a couple examples of some of these scoring conditions. And I should say, these all have really kind of clever sort of Western town theme names. Uh, so, so for example, uh, there's happy cows. And so this one, you get two points per cow that's not adjacent to or on a snow territory. Cows don't like snow. Yeah, cows don't like the snow. Then you've got the wagon train, where you score points per set of adjacent wagons in a straight line, horizontal or vertical. And there's a little sort of scoring table. So the more wagons you get in a row, uh, you're going to get progressively more points. Um, then there's some that, that are really interesting and depend upon what your opponent's doing. So there's a card, Small Town Charm, where both players count every territory, every square in their town. And if you have fewer than your opponent, you gain points equal to that difference. So in that one, it really flips on its head what you're trying to do, because typically more cards is better, but if the small town charm is in play, well, then suddenly you want to be uh, judicious with, with how you place the cards. I will say one thing that I enjoy about the game is that variety. I mean, there are 18 cards, so there are 18 different scoring conditions that can come out. 
So any set of three, we've played quite a few times and we've never had the same set. And if my math is correct, that would be a little over 800 different combinations of scoring conditions. I mean, that's a lot. And it, it definitely adds to replayability in a game that's really just, you know, 18 cards. Definitely. I will say one of the things that's really interesting about how you select the cards is, you know, they're all visible in this big circle and you randomly or use Twazi to decide who goes first, but then the other player chooses where on the circle they start. Yeah, and, and that's really cool. So a player can can take that card and add it to their town, um, and then the next player has the option to take the next card in the circle. But at any time, a player can skip over the card they're supposed to take to get cards further down the line that they think might be more valuable to them. But the catch is, if they do this, the other player gets all the cards that were skipped over in addition to the next card in line. And, and as we mentioned, in most cases, having more cards is better. So there's a little bit of a, a drawback to, ooh, I really want that card that has three bottles on it, but I'm going to have to skip two cards to, to get it. And so if I do that, Mamie's going to get the two cards I skipped plus the next one. So her town might end up being really big and score lots of points. Yeah, that's going to give me a lot of terrain, which you gave some examples of some of the unique scoring options, but in every game you score points based on your biggest region of each type terrain. Yeah, and that sort of scores like if anyone's played King Domino. It's like it's like King Domino scoring if the crowns didn't matter. So you're really just scoring the size of your largest region of all the different terrain types. It's kind of your base scoring. Uh, so, maybe we've talked about the, the game play. Should we talk about the theme of Circle the Wagons? You know, I love the theme. And I think, you know, you pointed out the names for the, the scoring conditions, how those are really, you know, thematically appropriate. I think the cards in general are thematically appropriate. And for such a simple game, I think the theme really comes through. Yeah, it's clever. It's fun. The icons are within the theme and are very clear. So what's your favorite thing about the game? You know, I think, as we've already said, I think the fact that it's so portable and so easy to learn and to play. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's easy to teach. I think when we got it, I taught it to you in about three minutes. Yeah, I mean, (laughs) it's a game that we can throw in the bag, take to the bar or the restaurant or the friend's house and play in five minutes. Yeah, And, and I'll say something that I like about this game is there's surprisingly quite a bit to think about on your turn. You know, you're trying to balance making regions of each terrain type to score points, but you're also trying to determine what card and what placement will give you the most points given the scoring options for that game. And on top of that, you know, you're not only thinking about what card's best for you, but also what card you are leaving behind for your opponent to grab. And and it's just, it's surprisingly deep for such a simple game of 18 cards. Yeah, I agree. Sometimes you really have some brain burn about, yeah, oh, you do. Geez, which of these is going to be best for me, but not being too good for you. Do I want to leave one behind or do I want to take this one that's not quite as good for me? But the beauty is, you know, you mess up and you get stomped in one game. It's over in about 10 minutes. Right. And you just play again. And we really have been knocking out a game of Circle the Wagons in under 10 minutes. Yeah, it's quick. So anything you don't like about Circle the Wagons? You know, honestly, there's nothing that I can think of for what it is for 18 cards. It's solid. Yeah, I agree. Total, total winner. You know, I think we've talked about when we would break this this game out. The portability, so key. I mean, it is two-player, so it would be something, you know, probably just playing with each other. 
That's true, which for us is perfect. Yeah. Uh, but that would be a consideration if you don't play a lot of two-player games. But I think it's the perfect game also to have around if you have a regular game group and you're waiting on the group to come over and maybe one person arrives a little early and and you know that's always kind of an awkward time because you know some other people are running 15 minutes late and you don't have time to set up some other game and start playing maybe you've got your main game of the evening set up this is the perfect game you could say well hey you know you know what let's pull out circle the wagons and let's just play around to that you could play it anywhere and and be done in 10 minutes uh, all right Mamie. so um you want to do final thoughts on circle the wagons first or do you want to Circle, circle, circle back. back. To, uh, <laughs> uh, let's, let's give our let's give our final uh, thoughts and ratings on on Circle of Wagons. First, Mamie, tell us about our our one to five wine scale. Yeah, so here at Cardboard and Wine, we use a wine based rating scale where a one is an empty bottle, sad, needing to be thrown in the recycling. A two is a two buck chuck. If you don't have anything else, it'll do. Three is a wine in the box. There are things you like, things you don't like. Four is a nice Malbec, easy to enjoy regularly. You've poured a glass. You're looking forward to pouring some more. I noticed you didn't say a fine lefty red blend. I know. Not a four. A lefty's not a four. I think a lefty might be a one. Uh, It's not a one. Two. It's It's a a two. It's a two. It's growing on me. I think it might be a three for me. Oh, not me. Okay. And a five is a big, bold California cab that's only going to get better with age. All right, Mamie, what is Circle the Wagons? For you. So this is hard and probably a weird score coming from me, but I think it's a five. Wow. And the reason is that there's so much to it for 18 cards. I feel like we're going to play it all the time and I enjoy it and it's complex and there's depth to the, you know, the scoring conditions. As you said, there's what, 800 potential combinations. Yeah, it's a five. What about you? Yeah, I certainly agree with you. It's a great game. I mean, we've played it 10 or 12 times already, and I would still be super excited to to play it some more, to introduce it to new people. I'm a huge, huge fan of this game. You know, for what it is, a five, a big, bold California, is it only going to get better with age? I mean, I don't know about that, but solid four for me, uh, but this absolutely fits a, an awesome um, niche in our collection, I would say. Uh, solid game. And it's, and it's like 10 or 12 bucks, so... Great stocking stuffer. For Uh, 10 or 12 bucks? I might pick up a few of these for our gaming. That's a great idea. So if you're a friend of mine, uh, ooh, don't listen to this part because this might be what you're getting for Christmas. (laughs) All right. Spoiler alert. All right, Mamie. Well, let's circle our wagons back and talk about Sprawlopolis. So we talked a little bit generally. Sprawlopolis, uh, similar, uh, same designers, same bifold wallet. 18 cards uh, with the similarity of the card fronts are divided into quadrants. But here, instead of Western theme, <laughs> we have uh, city grids. We have city grids consisting of four different zoning types. So I guess go. there's the gray industrial regions, there's the green parks, there's the orange residential, and then there's the blue commercial. And so every card has one of each of these types. And then there also are some road segments that are sprinkled throughout. So that's on the front. And on the back, just like Circle the Wagons, are 18 unique and different uh, scoring types that are going to um, give each game a little bit different flavor and are going to give you some different objectives to work towards. 
One really big difference between Sprawlopolis and Circle the Wagons is that Sprawlopolis is a cooperative game. So you're working together to build the best city, uh, looking at whatever those scoring conditions are. And it's really interesting because the first player takes three cards and all the other players draw one card. And so the first player plays one card on the city. And the same rules apply that apply in Circle the Wagons. You can cover up part or even all of another card. And then the player passes the two remaining cards to the next player and, and draws back to have a hand of one. And so at all times, you're drawing and passing. So you have some information there about what you're going to hand off to the next player. So it kind of adds an interesting flavor to the game. And so you continue until there's no cards left and you've built the city. Yeah, and, and the rules even even state and encourage you to work collaboratively as a team. Uh, but as an active player, you've always got three cards to choose from and uh, those that draw pile is face up. So you can even see what card is coming up and you can discuss with your teammates. Um, I will say the game says it plays one to four players. We have only played two players, although I don't really think gameplay would change too much other than the fact you would have three or four minds working together to optimize your town. Um, but one thing that's really unique about this game that I think is kind of cool is... I think I don't know that we have I can't think of any other games we have like this is each scoring objective has a different point total associated with it. Um and these point totals Mamie, I think you looked this up. They actually range from 1 to 18. Right, there's 1 to 18, one on each card. So each point objective sort of relative ability to generate points for you is going to have a higher number. And so your winning condition is adding up all three of those numbers on the scoring objective card. And your goal as the players is you have to score more points than the sum of the three numbers on those scoring objective cards. So if you happen to draw scoring objectives one, two, and three, you would need to score more than six points. <laughs> but Which sounds <laughs> easy, but the scoring objectives on those cards will also earn you fewer points than the scoring objectives on, say, card 18. That's exactly right. And and the other piece, too, is there are some core scoring. There is some core scoring similar to Circle of the Wagons. And actually identical to Circle of the Wagons, players are going to score are going to score points for their largest region of each of the four types, depending on how many blocks large that region is. So if you have a park that's four squares large, you're going to score four points for that. However, and this is really actually a pretty hard part of the game, I mentioned all those roads that are on the card. You're going to get minus one point for every individual road that is in your city. Apparently, cities don't like short roads that go nowhere. <laughs> they don't. And so you <laughs> are going to be punished for that, and that's fairly consequential. You know, it's, it's, hard, to, it's hard to explain it if you haven't played the game, but, but Mamie, I feel like even though a lot of the core mechanics of these games are similar, you know, you're drawing a card, you're playing it to build onto a, a city that, that you're putting together, you're trying to group similar regions together, you're, you're directed by these scoring objectives but these games to me feel very different to play yeah i mean i would say the big difference is that you know one is collaborative and the other is competitive but even beyond that they are very different feeling games in circle the wagons you're trying to 
connect. Most of the scoring objectives have to do with connecting and expanding and placing certain symbols next to other symbols. And in Sprawlopolis, a lot of the objectives have to do with things like having more residential areas than you have industrial areas or having roads that make a loop or, you know, and, and it's just a different feel trying to build that. Yeah, I think I think for me, playing Circle the Wagons, because, and you know, I guess this makes sense. It's a competitive game. It feels competitive. The decisions I'm making feel important in a different way because I'm having to focus on what I'm trying to do and maximize that while at the same time um, having to pay a little bit of attention to what what you are trying to do. Whereas when we play Sprawlopolis, I really feel like we are working a puzzle together. Would you say that's true? Yeah, it does feel very much like a logic puzzle. Like how do we maximize our points in a way without sacrificing points? Every decision... It might earn you two points, but cost you one point. And so you have to sort of weigh that. Yeah, and I could say one potential shortcoming of Sprawlopolis, I think it really is going to depend on the person or people that you play with, the type of rapport or relationship or the way that you work together. Because this game, again, it's encouraged that you do discuss options and placement. Sprawlopolis could really be impacted by an alpha gamer or somebody that tends to take over decision making on someone else's turn. I think we work very well together and usually I have dumb ideas and you have better ideas. But. No, we we usually have equally dumb and equally good ideas. <laughs> but, but could you see that? Um, in this yeah, game? I could. I haven't thought about that. I think partially because we've only played just the two of us, but I could see how it could be challenging to play with someone who wants to dominate, wants to control what's happening. Because it is a lot of discussion and, you know, it's it, we'll frequently find ourselves going, okay, I could play this here, but I know that you have that card and that's a better one to play there. So I'm going to play this one somewhere else and leave that spot for you. And there's a lot of that kind of negotiation that happens. Yeah, for sure. So I guess along those lines, things that you that you like about Sprawlopolis... I like that it's collaborative. I enjoy a collaborative game. The same things that I like about Circle the Wagons in terms of the size and the ease of teaching. I like that it is not just two players. So if we wanted to include other players, we could get some more folks in on the game. Uh, what about you? What do you like? Do you think we would? Do you think we'd play this with if we had three or four people? I don't know. It's interesting because I, it doesn't have the same draw for me that Circle the Wagons does. But I can't quite put my finger on why. Yeah, well, well, that's foreshadowing. We'll talk about it in just a second. Yeah, I'll say the thing that I like the most about it is I enjoy when we play this together that I enjoy that feeling of, oh, we're working together to solve this puzzle. And sometimes I'm in the mood for that instead of a, a gaming experience. But hey, let's try to do this puzzle together. And I think part of that is I really actually like that you have this sort of victory target this point target that you're trying to um, get to. I think that's really interesting to me. So I have a question. When we play, do you have that point target in your mind and are you keeping up with whether or not we're getting there? Uh, you know, a little bit informally, but only only from the point of view of, you know, like if we had a scoring condition that was uh, just to pull one of these, there's one where you get a certain number of points for every block of four corner to corners that you get. And that's a four. So I'll have in my mind, okay, well, we need to try to get at least 
probably three points for this because we're also going to gain some points. Or, or I guess I think we need to get around four points to at least stay on pace. But but not, I don't know, not completely. Yeah, I don't feel like I can totally keep up with how we're doing, especially because I sometimes forget that the roads are negative points and that yeah, the roads are tricky. Anything you Anything you don't like about this game? I think sort of that along that same line. It feels really tight to me when you get into some of the upper numbers. I feel like the the difference in points you can earn for the win condition doesn't necessarily balance out when you get up to where you're getting 16, 17, 18. We've had a couple of those, and it just feels almost impossible when you're there to earn enough points. So that's probably the one thing I would say. There are a couple games that it just felt like it was too hard, like it wasn't balanced. Though that being said, we have certainly improved. <laughs> Right. And <laughs> from and the first time won, we played, th- this game is hard the first time you play it's it. It's very hard. Um, but we are certainly much better now. You know, I think we've won the last couple of times we've played, but it's been close. Yeah, it's very close. What about you? You know, I think for me, and man, this is really hard to put my finger on, although you alluded to my thoughts exactly. And I was thinking a lot about it today as I was trying to come up with something cogent to say <laughs> along these lines. But there's just something about the cards or the scoring objectives, I think especially, that are less engaging and less interesting to me than Circle the Wagons. Do you think it's that there are only four different kinds of territories, so it's a little bit more simplistic, and it doesn't have the element of the symbols? Yes, there are the roads, but the roads almost make it more difficult rather than providing more ways that it's interesting and that you can win more win conditions. You know, I don't know because I like a challenging game. You know, I certainly if, if it was too easy, you know, I don't know that I would enjoy it. So I, I actually like when we pull some of those scorecards with the really high numbers. Cause I think, okay, this is going to be fun. Try to try to get there. But I don't know. I just can't put my finger on it. There's something less satisfying about, all right, you want to make sure you don't have any orange blocks next to some gray blocks or more blue ones than green ones. I don't know. There's something about that that's just not as interesting to me. Like if you asked me, all right, which do you want to play? Let's play Sprawlopolis or Circle the Wagons, or we could only bring one. I would hands down pick Circle the Wagons, but I'm having a hard time (laughs) indicating why. I feel the same way. I wonder, for me, I think part of it might be theme. We haven't talked about the theme of Sprawlopolis, and it's there in that there are different regions and there are roads. But it's definitely not the same level of kind of cute and engaging as Circle the Wagons. Yeah, I think that's I think that's true too. And there are definitely people who probably feel differently than us. I was looking at ratings of both of these games on Board Game Geek, and they're they're similar. Uh, but Circle the Wagon has a 850 ratings of a 7.3, whereas Sprawlopolis has over a thousand ratings of 7.5. So very you know, similar. Very similar. People like both games, but. Yeah, for whatever reason, Circle of Wagons has, has grabbed, I think, both of us a little yep. bit more. So, so Mamie, why don't you give your final thoughts and score on Sprawlopolis? So, given that I went, like, big yeah, with big Circle the Wagons, I know. It's, it's You don't give many fives. I don't. Yeah. I know it's weird, but I really, really yeah. enjoy hey. it. For me, Sprawlopolis, and again, they're very similar games, so this is weird, is a three. I really like that it's portable i really like that you know it's is that puzzle and we do enjoy it but 
like you said, I wouldn't go to it most of the time if I had to pick between the two. We often play both. Yeah, because again, <laughs> we can play both in about 25 minutes. Right. But if we were going to pick, I would always pick Circle the Wagons. Yeah, I agree. Uh, and the reality is we'll probably always just bring both because <laughs> they're right. so easy to bring. I do like we could play with a couple more people. That's true. Although I don't think if I had four people, I would not play Sprawlopolis. No, I would break out the mind or illusion. Yeah, I would too. Absolutely. Or even Shipwreck, shipwreck Arcana. And we have actually. Yep. We have done that. Yeah, I agree with you. I think I would give Sprawlopolis a three. Uh, I mean, it's a fun game. Like I don't dislike it. I think it's great for a lot of people. Again, it's 10 or 12 bucks. Um, if you really like Sprawlopolis, um, unlike Circle of the Wagons, there actually are even uh, a few mini expansions. <laughs> you can buy the beaches to go in. The your, beaches. Maybe we should try that. Maybe it would. Maybe we should. I don't know. But yeah, I think for me, it's it's a three. It's a game that I think we'll, we'll certainly keep and we'll probably play. But if I had to pick one, uh, I would certainly pick uh, Circle of the Wagons. I think if you're someone who games regularly with two players and you like a nice, fun, competitive two-player game, Circle the Wagons would probably be the way to go. But if you're someone, maybe you don't like direct competition with your your two-player gaming partner and you want a fun collaborative experience you can do together, um, Sprawlopolis might be a good choice. Um, Or for 20 bucks, you could just get them both. Exactly. All right, folks, thanks for listening to Cardboard and Wine, a proud member of the Dice Tower Network. For show notes, links, and other fun info about the games we discuss on the show, you can visit our website at cardboardandwine.com. If you have feedback on the show or suggestions for a future show, you can send us a tweet at Board and Wine, see photos of the games we play on Instagram at Cardboard and Wine, or email us cardboardandwine at gmail.com. You can also jump into our guild on Board Game Geek. You can leave us a review on Apple Podcasts. We'd love to hear from you, and it'll help new listeners find the show. All right, Mamie, until next time. Cheers and happy gaming.